Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heat. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here. As we're breaking down the Coke Zero 400, Coke Zero Sugar 400, from the Daytona International Speedway in Daytona Beach, Florida. And what a wild race it was this afternoon after it was delayed last night, pushed to this afternoon at 1 o'clock, and, and then it was rain-shortened. Uh, we saw the race get rained on a little bit. There was some uh, lightning in the area. It was closed down. For, it was stopped for that. Then all of a sudden the rain stopped. The track was dry, and we just had to wait about eight more minutes until another bolt of lightning came. If we had waited eight more minutes, the cars would have been on the track, and we would have been fine. Um, and then another bolt of lightning came, more lightning came, then the rains came again. They lost the racetrack one more time, and the NASCAR said, it's over. And really where the surprise of the, of the evening was it ended with Justin Haley making his third career cup start in victory lane at Daytona International Speedway in a Spire Motorsports number 77 on that car. Fraternal Order of Eagles was on that car this weekend. And that, that sponsor has won a race with kind of a, a wild circumstances before, if you remember correctly, about, I'd say it was probably eight years ago now, James Busher had that sponsor on a yeah. Turner Motorsports Chevrolet in the Xfinity Series years ago. And uh, I, I'm not kidding you. Know, I think almost the entire field wrecked coming off of turn four. And I remember sitting in the stands and pointing and saying, whoever that car is is going to victory lane. And it was James Busher in the Fraternal Order of Eagles Chevrolet. And he was about one of five cars to really finish that race under uh, speed. And he was in victory lane. And, and a shocking development there. This is a little bit more shocking. I mean, this is a team that hasn't finished, hadn't finished about 30th the entire year, Haley led one lap. Uh, really, the only time he led a lap was Kurt Busch was leading um, right before we we're going to get going. And, and to kind of paint the picture here for you, Kurt Busch was in front with uh, – we were getting ready to, to go after an accident. Uh, we were getting ready to go, and it was one to go. They, they told the teams one to go at the line. Well, Kurt pitted for tires. Other teams did as well, and Justin Haley stayed out. One, he was one of a few teams to, to stay out of – 24 and a 48 did as well, 13. Uh, they stayed out, and all of a sudden, um, lightning came. About when they were in turn one, turn two, Kurt had completed his pit stop, and then all of a sudden it was Justin Haley in front. And like I described earlier, you know, there was time, other times where it looked like we were going to get ready to go racing. We were about five, ten minutes away from racing, and the lightning came again, and NASCAR finally called it after they lost the racetrack due to a rainstorm with Justin Haley in victory lane, Shocking development. I mean, Haley can't get into the playoffs for anybody who's kind of confused about that. Haley can't get in because, well, he's just not eligible for points in the, in the Cup Series. He's eligible for points in Xfinity. He's only run three races in Cup this year. Uh, but nonetheless, it's his first career Cup win. Kind of shocking. I mean, I think if you put a bet down, Philip Matthew, on, on Justin Haley before the, the day started, you would have won a lot of money because he ended up in victory lane. 127 of the races, 160 laps were complete, and Justin Haley was your winner for the Coke Zero Sugar 400. What were your thoughts on that wild, wild uh, finish, I guess you can say, there in the Coke Zero Sugar 400? Yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely uh, <clears throat> different, to say the least, in terms of the new uh, rules package or whatever, and they were able to run clean until the big wreck that it that took place. And once the big wreck took place, then NASCAR, as per usual, figured out their way to to, to mess with it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, Justin Haley, I mean, you knew that you were in the twilight zone when they interviewed J.J. Haley on the TV telecast, and he actually had a chance to get a top 10 finish. That might have been the first time that J.J. Haley has been interviewed on a cup telecast since 2008. So uh, that that should tell you where we were at with this race. And then they were talking to J.J. Haley, as he used to go by, when I think he won the K&NE series a few years ago. Uh, They were pushing his narrative of uh, 
he got screwed last year. He did get screwed last year in the Xfinity race in July, uh, driving the Fraternal Order of Eagles 24 car for uh, Gallagher for GMS. And then um, they lost that race, but he ended up making the final 400 trucks. Had a good year. Then they were giving him crap for how he ran on Saturday, or I mean on on Friday night, and we'll go over that later uh, with the call a deal and you know all this stuff. And then he goes and in his third Cup race goes and stays out. Literally, that's what he did. And Peter suspends though a, a crew chief that you and you Clayton and I know. Uh, he's been around a long freaking time. He he was around for Jeremy Mayfield when he drove for Penske in the 12 car. Uh, I forget what other big-time cars or teams he he worked for, but that's the one that I can remember and was being mentioned over and over again. That's his first cup win in, since, uh, well, actually, yes, first cup win for Peter Suspenzo since 2003. That was, I saw that on social media, too. He was the crew chief for Joe Nemechek in the 25 car at Hendrick. So uh, that's something. Um, credit to them; they were smart. They weren't. They weren't. Uh, they got. I mean, the reality is, if I'm Kurt Busch, I feel like I got hosed, and they're because of this the poor management of NASCAR, the way that they manage cautions, they manage that wreck. In my mind, there was so much damage and there was so much debris. They should have pulled them down on a pit road, and if it rained, it rained. It is what it is. You know, none of this would be going on right now. Uh, the fact is that wreck happened. You should have cleaned the wreck up. They would have red flagged it under, under other circumstances. They kept the race going under the pretense that they're like, oh, maybe we'll get it cleaned up quickly. They don't clean up wrecks quickly. And with that many cars, they weren't going to be able to. Um, I felt bad for him, and I I felt bad for Landon Castle. He knew in that double zero team, we were talking about that offline, I, he knew that they probably made a mistake because um, when you're a team that is at that level uh, where you're basically filling the field and you basically have the light at the end of the tunnel, you stay out. Kurt Busch is making the playoffs. They're going to be a contender to make a couple, possibly a couple of rounds in the playoffs. Yeah, he's going to be livid. It's not a great thing for them and that whole organization, the way NASCAR handled that. But they're going to make the playoffs. It, it, was, it would have been team, it would have been chain, it would have been a big moment for the double zero and for other organizations that are, and it, and it may be for the 77. I strongly doubt it, mainly because of who's really involved with that team. But I'll give JJ, or I mean, Justin Haley credit after all the stuff he's gone through at Daytona and the fact that he was talking that he didn't think he was going to win this race and the way that NASCAR was handling the situation to the point where they wanted to get the race going again. Um, good for them. Um, they're not going to finish better in 30th the rest of the year outside of Talladega or maybe a couple other races. But, you know, they're in the all-star race next year and, I think they might be in the clash, so good for them. I guess we'll, we'll go and see them then. Yeah, and that's the crazy part about this whole situation is when you look at, um, you know, Spire Motorsports, were a team that really it was created in the beginning of the year. They bought the charter from Furniture Row Racing, which was a highly valuable charter when they got it. And a lot of people don't really care for their business practices. Spire Motorsports really isn't a team that um, fields an entry per se. They sort of run, it's sort of a, a premium motorsports run team with Spire Motorsports really having access to the charter. Um, so it's really sort of a bunch of guys who own, own a charter at this point. And for them to get the win, a lot of people were kind of like, well, their business practices aren't exactly what I call great. But the way I look at it is this, Philip, and, and I'm sorry if, if this is wrong way to look at it in a lot of people's eyes. NASCAR approved that purchase, and if you don't like the way what Spire Motorsports did, you know, and I, I understand where a lot of people are coming from with that, but NASCAR probably should have nipped that in the bud and said, no, you have to feel the team, but they haven't done that in the past. They're horrible with policing charters. They're horrible with policing ownership in this sport. Same thing with the 32 having the, the circle sport charter, which is another absolutely insane thing, but I'm getting way off track here. So the way I look at it is if, if it's approved by NASCAR, 
then that's the way it goes. I mean, again, Haley shouldn't really feel that scrutinizing. Uh, to me, he did a, he did a fine job today, staying out of trouble. They had a strategy of kind of hanging in the back, and then they stayed out and said, let's see if we can get some track position. They got extremely lucky because the rain fell when it did. You brought up a good point about the accident. There was a lot of, of carnage in that race and a lot of cars in the grass. And with the wet grass, it took a little bit longer than expected. There were two major accidents today, Philip, that I want to get to before we read off the top ten. But um, what did you – what do you think about Spire Motorsports and that whole situation? I mean, um, again, this is a team that really is a premium motorsports-operated team with Spire owning part of the um, of the charter, owning really all the charter. That's the only thing they really own is the charter. So what are your thoughts on, on, on Spire Motorsports? I mean, I don't – I don't have a very uh, high regard – uh, for them and for how they go about business. But when you consider where they've gone with this whole deal, uh, it's them not shocked. And it kind of shows where cup racing is. I was thinking about this before we got on and I'm like, we're in a place right now where Jay Robinson in some way, shape or form is bringing three cars to the racetrack every week. And Rick Ware is bringing because the JJ when JJ Haley and JJ Haley and that whole thing and is like Rick Ware is bringing three cars to the racetrack every week. So I remember a decade ago those two were two of the biggest biggest proponents with like Curtis Key and I think a couple others where they would start and park in Xfinity and in trucks. And now we're in a place where they both in some way, shape, or form, have control of 11% of the charters in the Cup Series. So the this is basically the only reason we have charters is because of um, because of the idiot, what is his name, Rob Coffin, who tried to kill a bunch of people at, at Le Mans with his in, in terrible driving, and because he had to bail out MW55 and his terrible hair, and now he's there and he's like the behind the scenes owner at Ganassi. So if Ganassi goes belly up, then oh, he may take those things over and make a profit on it. The reality is when you consider that all the work that Barney Visser did in this sport to make a team and win a championship and possibly and almost win a championship again last year and then get priced out of the sport because of Joe Gibbs and the nonsense that he's doing when he goes and holds up, you know, other things. But that's a whole point for another day and another tangent. But that that charter, when you consider how they talk about the higher it is, the more valuable theoretically and more money you get, they paid $6 million or just over $6 million, and they were granted this charter. And in the end, they're not going to make, even with this victory today, which I'm looking at the points right now, they didn't even run. They haven't entered every race either, which is another another issue in itself, which I thought part of the deal is if you have to, if you run, if you have a charter, you have to enter every race. So if they didn't enter every race, they're, they're liable to lose their charter. But, you know, they won a race, so now they – I don't know. I, I, I don't blame Justin Haley at all in this. For him and for his career, it's great. He's going to make the Xfinity playoffs. When he drives this car in these restrictor plate races, they, they're they relatively competitive. But the team and where the sport is going, it's not a good sign when 11% of the charters are owned by two teams that have a history of being cellar dwellers. And... Um, I don't think it's a good sign, but whatever. If they have their day in the sun and they can go, they made the right decision and, and the double yeah. zero and the one didn't. So, you know, right. it is what it is. Yeah, it, it. I think a lot of people kind of look at it. And uh, Spencer Cowan, who was at the race today and was, I'm sure, was there last night as well for the festivities, although we didn't get started last night, uh, he can maybe shine light on this a little bit more. But, um, you know, listen, they told a lot. I've read a lot on, on the Internet 
um, and I'm not sure about this, where a lot of people felt like they could have waited a little bit longer and got that race started. Now, I'll say this to this um, about this. You know, if it's not Justin Haley in victory lane, I think a lot of people have a lot of different, uh, you know, a different perspective on that because Haley is a guy who's not very well known and with a team that a lot of people kind of look at and some of them knows that and go, oh, you know, like because of the reasons I said earlier with Spire Motorsports. Um, so I think a lot of people were kind of looking at it saying they could have gotten that race started. Spencer, paying, you're a paying customer today. They're at Daytona International Speedway. What were your thoughts on that race? Do you think NASCAR could have waited it out a little bit longer, or do you think they waited it out long enough and um, the race was called at the right time? What are your thoughts? No, I definitely think it was called on the right time. They waited uh... – you know, they waited the right amount. You know, we had clouds come in, and I don't know how it is at other tracks, but I know at Daytona, if there's a lightning strike within eight miles, they have to stop activity for 30 minutes and then lift it. And if there's a lightning bolt within that 30 minutes, the time restarts, And which that's a safety rule for the fans, and that's safety for the crews and all that. Um, I was down in the garages, and nobody in the garage can work in the lightning bolt, so I get the aspect of that. Um, it started raining in three and four. They dried the track. The drivers were called the cars. We were getting ready to go again. Another lightning strike came, so everybody has to leave the stands, and then it started raining again, and they lost the track. With the air titans, it would have took another 45 minutes to dry the tr- track with the air titans and the uh, jet dryers. And um, For only the handful of laps that we had left, um, I think it was the right call, and believe me, I did not want to see the 77 and Justin Haley win the race. Um, I'd like to see it go green. Uh, like Philip said, it's good for his career, but with the whole Spire deal and all that, it's, it's a money scheme, and we all know that. So, yeah, um, I'd love to see a team that's out there competing for wins and really wanting to win and wanting to be competitive go out there and get the trophy. Um, but yeah, I think they made the right call because it takes from the traffic, you know, Clayton, from the speedway to our house, it takes 25 minutes, and it was still raining, and was still raining up until a little bit ago. So, the track was definitely wet. It was started pouring real hard, and they there was more rain coming and the forecast for the rest of the week's terrible so um unfortunately they had to call it and you know mother nature got the best of nascar again for another week i feel like it's rained for the past five nascar races and they've had delays so uh what can you do um it's i guess congrats to spire and justin haley and go on to kentucky yeah it's been really bad the rain this week and thanks for that uh update because i i do agree with you i think once you know, we all kind of were waiting there, and like I said, we got to about, I think, eight to ten minutes of of racing. You know, the track was dry, and we were just kind of waiting for a, uh, a lightning strike that hadn't happened in eight, in, you know, and with eight more minutes, we're like, okay, we're going to go racing here. And I, I was like, I can feel it. It's going to come, and, and it's just going to be so good to watch these last 30 laps. And then it started the lightning again, and then it started the rain again, and they lost the track. I'm going, you know what? I think this is going to be it. You know, how long can you wait? And people are like, well, you could wait until 9 o'clock at night if you have to. But teams have to get back in the morning. We have a Saturday night race at Kentucky the next weekend. So, to, like you said, to run 30 laps, it was halfway. It wasn't like it wasn't halfway yet. Um, to me, it, it was kind of, you know, a, a a deal where that's the way it goes kind of thing. And the lightning strikes, I think it's something that's, that's you know, only really happened in the last, let's say, six to eight years that they've really put that rule, enforced that rule hard. If you remember a bunch of years ago, I don't know if Spencer even remembers this, this had to be about 2010, 20, 2009. I was I remember where I was, and I was interning. So, somewhere around there, uh, a fan got killed at Pocono Raceway because he got struck by lightning. And ever since yeah. then, um, you know, they've kind of sat there and said, "We're gonna we're gonna play it really cautious," and as they should, you know, uh, play, play it really cautious with lightning. So um, that's sort of a new phenomenon in NASCAR. And uh, it's very hard to predict because you can't predict when the lightning's going to come. You can see the, the radar, and I think that's where Kurt Busch's team kind of got, got messed up today. You can see the radar and when these clouds are going to come and when the rain's going to come, but you really can't predict the lightning before that. And uh, so that, I think that's where it was really um, in, in big trouble and where they got in trouble. You know, and Haley was able to, to – he just got lucky enough, and sometimes you get lucky to, to enough to win these races – and he was in victory lane. William Byron finished second. Then it was Jimmy Johnson in third. Ty Dillon finished fourth. Ryan Newman was fifth. Corey LaJoy, Eric Amarola, Matt DiBenedetto, Matt Tiff, and Kurt Busch 
rounded out the top ten. A couple of big wrecks here, like we always see at Daytona. On lap 120, the wreck that was really the last green flag racing we saw of the afternoon it happened when, when Austin Dillon got in front of Kurt Busch, or excuse me, in front of Clint Boyer. Um, I'm thinking of, of the Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Kurt Busch incident early in the event. But Austin Dillon got in front of, of Clint Boyer and uh, tried to block the seven, the 14 car, and boom, all of a sudden the three car got sideways, 14 went up. A lot of people were involved. Here's all the names that were in that wreck. Chase Elliott was in it, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, uh, Ty Dillon, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Kyle Busch, um, Martin Truex Jr., Eric Jones, Joey Logano, Chris Busher, Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Priest, uh, Alex Bowman, Matthew Benedetto, and Parker Kligerman were in that accident on lap 120. That was really the second big accident of the afternoon, wiped out a lot of big competition. And I think that's what people were sort of waiting for was, okay, now we know we got a lot of the field gone. Who's going to be able to survive it and pull this off? One of the drivers I thought that had a really good shot was Ryan Newman, another driver who had a really good shot, two drivers that really had a really good shot, William Byron and, and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Jimmy, you know, it's funny. My wife said he found that golden horseshoe again. He really did. When you looked at where he was in that middle of that pack, um, he should have been wrecked, and he was able to, to ride it and, and get through it. So it looked like, oh, 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 oh maybe tides are going to change for Jimmy Johnson, and that just wasn't the case. So that was one big wreck that knocked a lot of people out. Um, and as you go a little bit further in the field, you see a lot of other drivers had pretty good runs. Landon Castle in 11th, nice job by that team. I mean, they were second when, when the caution came out, and they pitted, uh, which is obviously something they regret. J.J. Yelly finished 12th. And I'll say this, you know, a, a decent run for J.J., but um, – that team, all his teammates, and a lot of the teams that they run with every week were a lap down today. They got a lap down early in that race. Now, I think maybe J.J. might have gotten a free pass at one point in this race. Well, he did on lap 76 when Brendan Gaughan and Kurt Busch got together. He got a free pass, but he was able to, to stay up there after that. And um, that's something, that's a, really a nice job for that team when you uh, get issued a, you know, when you stay in the lead lap. So, uh, Yelly, a decent job there. 12th place run for him. Then it was Michael McDowell, Kyle Busch, Bubba Wallace, Paul Menard, Chris Buescher, Daniel Hemrick, Brendan Gaughan in 19th, and Kyle Larson in 20th. The other big wreck of the afternoon was created when um, Brad Keselowski and, and Kevin Harvick got together. Uh, it also took out um, Daniel Suarez. David Reagan got, was in that wreck, along with Daniel Hemrick and Joey Logano on lap one, uh, 84. That wreck happened. Um, so two big wrecks here, Philip Matthew. What were your thoughts on, on the racing today at Daytona International Speedway? I mean, the the racing relative to what we had is a, a lot of what was talked about amongst all these talking points they kept on forcing down our throats was, oh, the manufacturers are working together. And so in the end, the, the wreck that saw Brad's uh, interesting week finally end uh, was took out a lot of Fords. It really affected uh, Daniel Suarez's uh, playoff situation on uh, secondarily, but took out your guy uh, Clayton. I mean the they the front row cars were all pretty solid today, and then you know so in that sense it was an unfortunate incident. But for all the people that hate Brad Keselowski, they loved it. And based on his own mouth, he kind of brought it on himself. Uh, it was on. It's an unfortunate incident. Both incidents that happened today were. I mean, it's a product of you know whatever you want to call this racing that they have at Daytona and Talladega. Uh, it's just in some ways to me, it's a joke. I I am of the of the belief that I had no problem with the tandems because the reality is the amount of wrecks that happened were quite less and there was way less people that were involved. Uh, if you're going to wreck, you're going to wreck with one other person and maybe you're going to take out four cars versus you're going to take out 20. Um, the racing for the most part was pretty tame. Yeah, there was, it was hard to handle. Yeah, there was, it was, and that's the thing. There were some people that were out there like, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. And, I mean, it's manufactured because it's 550, rate, 550 horsepower 
with a 10 inch blade on the back of it and all these stupid fenders on a, on a spec car with what I, with whatever they have going on. Uh, they try to do this nonsense at, at one and a half mile racetracks. And based on what the president of the sport has said, they think that it's okay. I figure once we get to our Wednesday show, we'll have a little more time to really talk about that, but Racing was okay. I mean, it's Daytona. Uh, I think the race, to, it being that it was at in the afternoon, provided a more interesting show than what we would have had last night. And the wrecks that happened were going to happen because of just the way these cars react. And in in terms of what we saw in February relative to what we saw in this last, July the 4th uh, weekend uh, Daytona race. I think in the end, I, I will take, I unfortunately, I'll take this package. Um, I don't like it, but, you know, if we're going to talk about what we had in, in February versus what we had, I think there was a little bit more ability or more control for a good driver if they could avoid the nonsense to make something happen. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, it's, I'm no fan of restrictor play racing or Daytona Talladega racing. It's a, it's a shame that we have to invest so much into it and that the biggest race of the year is determined on it, but that's for another day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it was a lot of corners today. And, um, I, I'm, I, I think this package under Super Speedways is a lot better than what we had previous, like you said, in February. Um, but still, to me, these drivers just get, I don't know if it's impatient or they're still trying to learn how to run this package. But there was a lot of moves where you're like, they should know better than that. You know, Harvick should know better than what he did with Kozlowski and vice versa. Uh, they, they both should know better than that. They're both way, way, way too talented and way smarter than to cause an accident in the middle of the field like they did. So um, that was a little frustrating on, on my stand of it, on my part of it. How about you, Spencer? You know, we really had two major wrecks. The last one, of course, was the last sort of green flag racing we saw all day long. Um, what did you think of the racing today? You were in the stands at Daytona International Speedway. What did you think of the racing today uh, at the facility? Yeah, well, it was okay. Um, I think we've definitely seen more exciting races at Daytona. Um, I, I like how they didn't completely get in a train on either the bottom or the high line. I like how they somewhat stayed kind of double wide until, I mean, I know the first eight would kind of be single file there for a little bit. And then you'd have the, you know, the Hendrick uh, motors, they would kind of, you know, chase and Jimmy and uh, Kurt and all them. They were really trying to get that bottom lane working and, and pulling that bottom line. And they did, they got all the way up to second or third. And, um, so I just, I don't know. It's, and then you'd see them on the bottom, and then they'd go to the top. The line switched. I don't think there was really a preferred line today. Uh, you guys might disagree, but from my perspective, I don't. Um, I think it's just wherever the runs were going, they would go and block, and then they would end up staying there. So, um, you know, um, in February, it was more of single file, so I guess I'd have to pick this package. Um, I mean, other than that, I would like to see the last 30 laps that could have definitely – gave us a little bit better perspective on how good the racing is towards the end, how people can move. And I would like to see, I don't know if you guys would agree, but I feel like the drivers, they wait too long or I feel like they should try to see what their car can do in the beginning of the race, make more moves, see like dive to the bottom. And I always feel like they have to wait. They're like, they're scared to do it. I know if I was a race car driver, I would want to do it early so I have time to make it back up. And if my car can't do it, well, then I need to find another way. And I always feel like they wait till the last 40, 30 laps to make the way to the front. And if you get shuffled back, mm. it's going to be hard to get back up to the front. Um, so, I don't know. It's just a product that's racing. I mean, you can fall to the back so quick, and you can get up to the front easy and just as fast as you fall back and get it in the right draft. So, um, other than that, it was kind of a disappointing race for me. I didn't really enjoy it. So, um We'll see how it is in August. Um, at least we might ha- not have to deal with the rain as much. So, um, like I said, it's just another restrictor plate or whatever you want to call it, race. 
I'll agree with you on this. I think the the lanes were um, pretty equalized today, even in the middle. And one of the things I noticed with with uh, my driver was you're able to sort of catch the field a little bit easier when you're a single car than where you were in the past. You know, you kind of needed momentum to, you know, need three or four cars to sort of catch the field. Now you can sort of catch the field a little bit easier. And, you know, you could run, I think, three wide and easier because the cars are more stable because uh, with that big spoiler on the back. So I think that's a positive. Um, there's still some work to do, I think. You know, I, I think these teams, just, these drivers just get too confident. You know, what, what – I'm sorry, what, Ty, what Austin Dillon did today was unacceptable and what Brad Kozlowski – what happened with Brad Kozlowski and Kevin Harvick. Again, two guys who are veterans who are really, really – I think two of the best drivers on – two of the top five best drivers – in the sport to cause an accident like that, um, I would expect a little bit more from them. So I was a little disappointed in them, and and you know Austin Dillon should know a little bit better. And his excuse of well, I was trying to get my in my Chevrolet teammates, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you still got to um, at that point about 40 laps to go. You know, you need to finish the race, and, and you got to use your head a little bit more. So hopefully these guys do that, and we're all able to see this package and not have so much carnage on a on a super speedway event. Um, so I think that that would be a good step in the right direction if they can do that. Uh, looking at the points, guys, you know, because this was an important race as far as points are concerned, because there was opportunities for drivers outside the top 16 in the standings to pull off a victory and and get into the playoffs. Well, that looks like it's no longer the case. Austin Dillon wrecked today. You know, he's now way back in points. He lost a, a position to Chris Buescher actually in the standings. As Buescher moved up to 21st in the standings. You know, we've talked about it at nauseum, guys, here. Really, I think the top 12, the top uh, is locked into the playoffs. Then you got the next drivers. Jimmy Johnson looks to be pretty close to being in. Same thing with Kyle Larson, as bad as as tough as a year Larson has had so far this year. Uh, I think he's pretty close to being locked in. There's eight races to go. Um, right now he's uh, 30 points to the good on Ryan Newman in 16th. Um, so, you know, Barring a couple of big collapses by Kyle Larson in these next eight races, I think he'll be okay. Where it gets interesting again is Clint Boyer. You know, Boyer's only one point to the good over Ryan Newman, who is three points over Daniel Suarez, who's 17th. And then Eric Jones is 10 points back from Daniel Suarez. Those drivers, I think it's really those four that really stick out to me as far as the points are concerned. Clint Boyer, Ryan Newman, Daniel Suarez, and Eric Jones. Um, it's been kind of surprising. You know, it was an opportunity for a couple of guys, like I said, outside of the top 20, outside of even the top, or excuse me, the top 16, even outside of the top 20 and outside of the top 25 to pull off a win and get into the playoffs. That's no longer the case now um, with the win today for Justin Haley. But uh, some interesting little points there, uh, Philip Matthew, as we get ready for Kentucky on Saturday night next week. Yeah, it's for Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, he had a good car and, even though he tried to put that block on and Kurt went and finished him off. The reality is Ricky Stenhouse, it has been really good at restricted plate racing over his time. Uh, it basically saved his career in NASCAR, honestly, uh, going way back when. But they had a good race car, and Ryan Newman showed it because he was able to get himself into the cutoff because of the top five finish today. And uh, they weren't able to get the finish they probably wanted. You talk about Eric Jones, and you talk about a couple of these Stuart Haas guys with Boyer and Suarez when their jobs are on the line and there's some people that are available. And now this 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 cutoff is somewhat more interesting than it really needed to be, especially on Clint Boyer's side because the 14 teams way better than what uh, they've performed like in the last month plus. He says it, and I don't know what it is. I Last year, they won those couple of races, and then they were in a good place. They won Martinsville, and then they won Michigan on rain. And But then ever since then, there's just been this drop. There's just been this steady drop in performance from the 14 teams. The 10 team with Eric Almarola, they're 10th right now. And even though they're nowhere near where they were last year in terms of performance, they're still 10. And if they, him and Johnny Klausmeyer go and hit on something, they can make a couple rounds. 
the but when you consider the 14 team is like a first round exit waiting to happen if they make it that's like job there's a major job security issue no matter how much Tony loves Clint Boyer and how they're great friends and all that Daniel Suarez they don't he doesn't have the kind of money he had at Gibbs honestly or, or he wouldn't have Haas on his car three quarters of the time now that he's outside of the playoff, albeit not a, of his own doing, uh, today, it's uh, it's an interesting. There, you got three guys there, and Boyer, Suarez, and Jones that are worried about their jobs and possibly getting replaced. And then you have Ryan Newman, who's driving the six car, and I think we talked about it on Wednesday, and talked about how there's somebody like Ross Chastain if Roush would actually put some money into a real, you know, talented guy and want to put him in a car and give him a real shot, might be something. So then you can sit, if you go and put Newman on, on the block too, and or Ricky Stenhouse, who's right outside of that group, all of a sudden you're talking about that cutoff has has real, real, There there's some, the it's some, you know, career-changing uh, deals that could go on there for those guys. Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Larson, neither of them have run that great. Jimmy Johnson hasn't really run that great in the last couple year or two years. Kyle Larson has fallen off from where he was in 17, but it looks like even with their performance, they're going to make it in. I give Chad Knauss a lot of credit. I'm no Chad Knauss fan. I respect generally what he's done, even though he can't pass inspection a lot of time, what he did at Sonoma, because that strategy to go and take all those stage points has all of a sudden, now he got that second place finish, they have gotten themselves right in that realm where not only do they not have to worry about, you know, falling out of the playoff, they could really start, you know, going for these wins, get him his first win, you know, and give themselves a real shot at this deal. William Byron wasn't a factor last year, no matter what anyone wants to say. Now this year, the way things are building up, William Byron in his second year with one of the great crew chiefs of all time, 12th in points, could make a second round possibility. I mean, that's a big uh, jump for them and for Hendrick and for Chevy in general, and it's a good sign for them because they're, all yeah. their eggs are in Chase Elliott's basket. So uh, that's, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, outside of Bristol where Stenhouse is really good, outside of a road course where things could get crazy, uh, Pocono where you could, where you and I went a few weeks ago and they might get crazy with strategy. I don't know if, and maybe Indy, I don't really know if there's going to be a lot of deviation here from what we see right now. Um, but that cutoff is going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, those four are going to be an interesting one. I think Boyer, uh, Newman, Suarez, and Eric Jones. I think those are the drivers, and maybe Stenhouse with an outside shot at it. Um, you know, another driver I was a little disappointed in today was Coleman Hart. I thought he'd do a little better now. He was involved in a wreck, uh, in, in that wreck, I believe, with uh, at the end there. But, you know, he again, you know, just I don't think he got any stage points today. You know, that's, an, that's a Penske car per se. Um, you know, so that's a driver who you expect to see a little bit more from on these on these bigger play tracks. Um, and you know, he just didn't really get the points he needed. Well, he had to, damage too, but to be there, yeah, he did a little bit. But again, you know, this is a guy who I think on the play tracks he's extremely overrated. I'll, I'll say that a million times. He just he doesn't stay in line. He drives me absolutely berserk. When you watch that twenty-one car and you go, oh, he's he's so fast, stay stay in line, and he just never stays in line for whatever reason. So. Um, anyway, I'm getting off track. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight two. How about you, Spencer? Anybody that um, you saw today, or, or any other final thoughts of today, or on the point standings before we move on to the Xfinity Series race? No, not really. I think you guys pretty summed it up. And um, you know, like you guys mentioned, you know, some guys they're going to have to win to get in. And, you know, a couple spots moved around and. There's still eight races, and eight races is a lot, honestly, but a lot can happen in the eight weeks. Um, 
you know, we could have a guy fall out and a guy move back up, two guys fall out, two guys move in. So we'll have to see. Um, you, know, I think we'll really know who's going to make it with about three or four to go. Um, so uh, we'll just have to see then. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Now in seven eight nine eight two eight zero talking in circles is Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthews and Spencer Cowan here tonight. Uh, we're previewing, we're reviewing, excuse me, the weekend from Daytona International Speedway. We just got done with the Cup Series, uh, Coke Zero Sugar Free Four Hundred at Zero Sugar Four Hundred, excuse me, at the uh, Daytona International Speedway. Circle K Firecracker Two Fifty from Daytona International Speedway. NASCAR Xfinity Series races run on Friday night. Uh, and really what looked like a, a sweep of the top three for Colleague Racing turned into the top two finishing positions with Ross Chastain as your winner. Justin Haley in second. Christopher Bell finished third. Austin Simpson fourth. Stephen Light ended up fifth. Then it was Brandon Brown sixth. Jeff Green finished seventh. Eighth was Gray Galding. Jeremy Clements ninth. And Matt Mills rounded out the top ten for um, the Xfinity Series race. A couple of big wrecks in that event, too. Really the, the biggest one came with about 10 to go where about 15 cars got into a, a major scuffle there. Um, but it, in the end, it was really, listen, I think um, Ross Chastain probably had the best car all day long. The only other car who was close to him was his teammate, A.J. Amadinger, who ended up getting disqualified from the event. Uh, A.J. led 32 laps and, and was up there running up front and uh, got disqualified after his car. It's something in the engine that was wasn't right with the car, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, Wouldn't create a vacuum. What Wayne Alton, what yeah, what Wayne Alton said really uh, in the press conference was it was just something with with the with the flow of the engine, how the how the air flows into the engine was what got AJ Allmendinger disqualified. So um, it wasn't anything low or anything high. It was just it was just uh, you know something with the engine, but still a very interesting race. Uh, in a race that, that fell off Chastain Spencer in victory lane after a real dominant, dominant event. Um, this guy was extremely aggressive on on Friday night, and a lot of people were sort of critical on him a little bit. But uh, in the end, you know, he ended up being right because he was in victory lane after leading 49 laps. What were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race on Friday? First off, I, th- I thought it was a very exciting race. Um, a lot of block in high lane to the bottom, you know, just really putting aggressive blocks like you mentioned. And I mean, it was a day for Cogler racing. It really was. They led 86 laps between all three of the cars and it's a hundred lap event. So, um, you know, they got the ECR, RCR Alliance and, you know, their motors and those cars, they are even on the cup side, they're really good too. So they got a good program over there. Um, and they were fast. And yeah, when I was watching AJ, I mean, he, on that last restart, he was in the back of the pack and, I could just see him drop down um, to the bottom and was passing cars all by himself. So, um, you know, they're being consistent. They're getting guys. And, you know, if your car has a failure, you know, you're going to be disqualified. But, you know, back to the Chastain, a lot, like you mentioned, people's criticizing him. Um, You know, even some of the cup drivers had said something. Tony Stewart said, you know, he wins one Xfinity race and all of a sudden he thinks he's a, you know, a cup driver. Um and I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan, but there's a lot of people out there that know he can drive. And, and you know, Logano says it best. You have to be aggressive to win these races. You have to. Because the competition is so hard, um, so even, because every, your cars have to be the same. You have to be aggressive. If you're not aggressive, you're not going to win these races. You have to put blocks. You have to side draft. You have to do whatever you got to do to put your car in victory lane. And he did just that. It was a great day for the Chevys over there at Cogley Racing. And, you know, they got to win and they got earned their first win for Nice, earned their first win for uh Cogling and now let's see if they can uh, let's see if he can pull off a miracle win with premium, that'd be something. But you know, congrats to him and oh, he's got a big career ahead of him, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh it was a what's interesting about this weekend was the fact that it was a um a weekend that featured two teams win their first career races with with Spire Motorsports and Cadillac Racing. Call it racing. Uh, what did you think, Philip, of the race, of the Xfinity Series race on Friday night? Um, nice to see a guy, a veteran driver who we've seen in the past and we're familiar with, and Stephen Light, a former Cup Series Rookie of the Year, get a nice top five run. Johnny Davis seems to pull off some decent runs here on these uh, Super Speedway events. But what were your thoughts on on the Xfinity Series race on Friday night? 
Yeah, Stephen Life going and getting a top five for the first time since 2000, <clears throat> 2007 or eight or whatever when he was driving for Robert Robert and Doug Yates when he was one of the young guns <laughs> driving the city uh, number 90 car. Uh, good grief. I'll tell you, my I, we're both getting old. I, I, I'm feeling old. That was the first time you got a top five in the Xfinity Series race since then. That I gotta do some things with my life. But the reality—I mean, that—and then when you consider Jeff Green, who for the last I don't know how many years has been a start and park uh, specialist, and he's possibly in his next to last race of his career because he's going to go out for surgery after he runs uh, this weekend at Kentucky on his arm, uh, getting a top 10 finish for uh, the Sieg team. Uh, You know, there's a lot of good stories there. I mean, Ross Chastain, he he did what he had to do. I I haven't heard anything about uh, Tony. I I didn't hear what – I never heard that part about what uh, Spencer talking about with Tony, but hey, it, it, the reality is I like I I've become a, a fan of Ross because of his enthusiasm and his passion, and the fact that he's gotten this second chance, you know, because he he was one of those guys a few years ago. He drove for Brad, didn't really work out so well. Um, I mean, I, I I would say that it's a perfect. It's interesting because you got guys like Tyler Reddick who went and ran over Austin Terrio, and Austin Terrio's career is basically done. But Tyler Reddick is about to be a Cup driver. It's a sad commentary on society. But Ross Chastain, that whole college racing team, they they made a commitment to win this race, and by God, they won this race. It was there. It was no joke. AJ Allmendinger hasn't been in a stock car all year, and he jumped in that thing, and he looked as good as he ever looked in a in a stock car outside of a couple of races in Cup and when he was driving that Penske 22 car, which to me would tells me that if you're running in the Xfinity series during that road course portion of the series next month be afraid because he was that good on a restrictor play track, which he generally has been good. You put him on a road course, you put him in those cars, forget about it. He's probably going to win one of those races because AJ uh, is really good at that form of racing. And he's as hard on himself as anybody would be. But college racing is bringing good equipment. Justin Haley now has this motivation being a cup winner. I think that team is going to take a big step forward in general. Uh, They want to get Ross Chastain in a second car, but I think Ross Chastain has uh, enough numbers and people calling him to want to drive for them because of how good he's been uh, in the last, you know, last 10 months. Uh, you want to talk about a career going from, you know, being just another guy to being the guy. Uh, Ross Chastain has done that, become Gallagher, going and smashing freaking watermelons all over the place, all that great stuff. And, he's, and it's it's good for the sport because there's a lot of credibility issues that exist with this sport. There's a lot of issues with the people that run it. But Ross Chastain is able to distract. The fact is they should be pushing Ross even more because it covers up the Mm -hmm. fact that there's a lot of real problems with the way they do things and the way that's going on with the big three series and going on into the K&N Arca. But, you know, Daytona, Xfinity, it's a wild card. Greg Golding had a good piece. Uh, they got damage. He got an eighth place finish. He was trying to get in and go and get that Hail Mary. Stephen Parsons and his mullet, just like his dad in his first career race, uh, going and getting a 12th place finish after being told middle of last week, oh, yeah, you're going to drive. 
Um, that's a really good deal there. Uh, I mean, there there's a lot of good stories that took place here that aren't the regular stories of the big three and and stuff. And 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 it's a part of what makes Daytona and Talladega, you know, compelling uh, in general. I'll, I'll give I'll give a, a shout out to Chase Briscoe. He had a really good race car. Uh, he had a really good car. He had a chance to win this race uh, on Friday and got taken out in a wreck. Uh, he's, he did the 35th place finish doesn't show how good that 98 car was. And I think the progress they're making is a sign that they'll be able to do something once the playoffs come along. Yeah, listen, it was a race that um, I saw a, a lot of good things. Another driver who he didn't mention here, who I felt ran a really, really good race uh, for the time that he before he got in his accident was Timmy Hill in the 66. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was sort of a Benny Overkill Motorsports um, driver there. Who I thought ran a, a really strong race, Timmy Hill. Um, you know, a guy who runs in a lot of stuff that is, is very, very underfunded um, and actually had a pretty decent piece on Friday night, and, uh, you know, what really wasn't his fault, he got involved in a wreck, but he did a very nice job there as well. But, you know, you talk about Stephen Light and Jeff Green, Brandon Brown, um, and Greg Galding. You know, unfortunately for Galding, that was his, really, I think, his only effort, his only chance to make the playoffs. Um, right now he sits about uh, 98 point, or excuse me, 92 points back from uh, – back from Ryan Sieg right now in the standing. So um, good luck to them to make it, excuse me, 88 points, I believe it is, the the difference in there. So good luck to them. It's going to be real tough for them to make the playoffs. But um, that was sort of his last-ditch effort. Brandon Brown tried it as well. He's 14th in the standings, and he got Jeremy Clements, 15th, and Ray Black Jr. They had a tough day uh, in 16th as well. And then you got Scarra Smithley. He's eligible still. So, um, listen, it com- what it comes down to is really the Xfinity Series. You know the 12 that are probably going to run for the championship. Um, mm-hmm. It was really the last-ditch effort. We also have we have a couple of, of road course races where it can go a little haywire there. Um, but at the end of the day, it's uh, really um, – we you know the top 12. You mentioned Stefan Parsons making his cup, uh, Xfinity debut. did a pretty decent job there for BJ McLeod Motorsports. All hit three of his cars, finished 10th, 11th, and 12th. And mm-hmm. And especially you get the final word for our, our Xfinity Series race here on Friday. Anything else you want to discuss before we move on? Oh uh, no, no, not much. Just uh, I probably thought it was one of the better races. Um, very exciting, like we mentioned. Uh, kept you on your toes, that's for sure. Um, and the Xfinity, like I said, they're all young and they all want to try to get to the top level and they want to show everything they got and. Um, you guys mentioned, you know, guys that their finishes don't really prove where they um, should have finished. So, you know, and that's a product of this race, and, you, you know, you're bound to get caught up no matter where you run on the racetrack unless you're the top guy and you're leading the way. And even then, we saw today, you can get caught up in a wreck if you make a dumb move. So, um, no, a great race, and, uh, you know, congrats to Ross and that team. And, um, you know, I'm sure that team has more wins to come in the future. And, you know, they're you've only been in here four years, I think, and I think they're going to be here for a long time. And they got a good little set of drivers there, and they got some good cars, and that's all you need. And they're going to go out strong and um, keep trying for the wins. They're trophy hunting, they said. So. Yeah, and and that was their goal was to win, to win that race. And, and I think that's sort of why they well, did what they did with A.J. Allmendinger um, to and, – and really what that – does and that's something I want to discuss with you, Philip. Here, a little bit is is kind of an interesting little disqualification for AJ Allmendinger because uh, it was a lot different than what we saw with Crystal Bell and a lot different than what we saw with uh, Ross Chastain earlier in the year. And you can argue that Ross Chastain's penalty was a little bit more, um, I guess, worse than AJ Allmendinger's because Ross had a win and, and they took a win away. Now. AJ was disqualified too. Lost all the points, lost all the money, lost all everything for that race. Um, but he's not running for points in the playoffs. You know, he, he's just a one-off driver here doing a one-off thing. The ten cars only run about five or six races this year um, for college racing. So, you know, 
to me, they they kind of manipulated the engine, and and that to me has always been you know there's been things where we've seen in the past where if you touch there's been certain parts of the car that have been really taboo to touch, and one of those things was the engine. Um, and AJ Allmendinger in that group in the ten car, I should say AJ Allmendinger with the ten team, they touched that and they fooled around with that, and to me it kind of leaves you scratch your head a little bit going wow, you can do that and really get disqualified and have no other penalties come around and it, it's sort of a worse penalty for Ross Chastain when his car was just a little bit too low um, in victory lane there when he won his truck series race a few weeks back so to me Philip, it was a much worse infraction that AJ Allmendinger had this weekend at Daytona than Ross Chastain did a couple of weeks ago and to me Chastain's team suffered more than the Colleg Racing team did uh, do you think it's a problem with this format, with this sort of disqualification format? Now, it's the exact same penalty. They both, you know, got sort of the death penalty as far as the race is concerned. But because of, of the way we do our points now and, and everything like that, it really hurt the 45 truck worse than it hurt the college team. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to what I've, I've said for years about NASCAR and the way they manage things, they they're it's it's selective enforcement and consistently inconsistent. Uh, those are the two uh, hashtags that I would use on on Twitter or on other types of social media to talk about how they manage these penalties, how they manage the sport the way they've made it into the WWE with these storylines and things like that. The reality is, sure, the fact is where the plenum is, there wasn't a vacuum where the, where the spacer would be. It wasn't holding a vacuum. But my question is, if it wasn't holding a vacuum post-race, how was it holding a vacuum pre-race when I went through inspection? I give, I give, uh, uh, what's his name? I don't know. Now, of course, Wayne Auten credit for coming out and speaking because unlike most of the people he works with or for, uh, he's willing to at least be honest. But to me, there's a credibility issue with the way they go and inspect these cars. They said, oh, A.J. Allmendinger was a random. I mean, come on. The reality is, oh, man, Matt Cawley goes and goes one, two, three. So the point is, oh, let's go and take the guy who finished third, and he was able to go and run through the field, and he led a lot of laps. That's not random. It's just, oh, yeah, let's just go and do him. The random would be, oh, you take the 17th place car. Uh, it's it's typical of NASCAR, and I don't blame A.J. Allmendinger. And, and frankly, for Chris Rice, Matt Colling, they kept they got the one-two. They still have the photograph. They're going to take a picture, and it's going to show one, two, three, and they're going to hang it up at Colling Racing, even though it doesn't show that in the, in the statistics. And I don't think that A.J. Allmendinger, I figure he's going to win one of those road course races that they have in August. So it, it's, it, yeah. I really have, I have to question the credibility of their inspection process and how they basically threw the book at Nice and then secondarily to Colleague. Uh, the fact that the Gibbs penalty got no press and got no big, you know, big to do kind of shows where they are in the sport. When Chris Bell can get disqualified, lose a third place finish, and it's no big deal. But, you know, Ross Chastain is trying to qualify for the playoffs, and they take away a win and do all this nonsense. And AJ Allmendinger is running for a new team, and they're screwing them over. It kind of proves what NASCAR is about and their inspection process is about. It's not about getting the teams that actually are probably likely messing around and they're the big teams and they're the ones that everyone talks about. They'll take the little team out and they'll try to F them up like Carl Long, for example, like we talked about Timmy Hill, and instead of getting Joe Gibbs, 
you know, and that's why there's a credibility issue, and it's why the sport struggles in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's the problem. You know, again, I think part of what made Ross Chastain win that race on on Friday, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Caldwell and Ross Chastain because they really had a really good race, but the fact that they had another teammate sort of following them or very close by that was very fast as well was a major asset to them. Um, and so to me, it, it sort of did its job. Oh, AJ Almonte did his job. It didn't really matter where they, where they finished. The sponsor got recognition. I'm sure, you know, you look at it and you say, uh, they, they probably wanted the, the recognition of one, two, three, and they nobody wants to be disqualified, but it's just, it's amazing how a penalty can affect the team so much more than another team and um, be, it, it'd be the exact same penalty. When I believe the infraction that Colleg did was worse than what Nice Motorsports did. So um, that's just my take on it. I find it interesting, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this is played down the road. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles today. We had a great show. Spencer Cowan. Great job as always. Same thing with, with Philip Matthew. Good job as always, guys. I'm Cl- For those two, I'm Clayton Caldwell. We'll see you next time here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.